Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. In today's podcast, we'll hear from Mark McDaniel, psychology professor at Washington University in St. Louis. McDaniel heads the Memory and Complex Learning Laboratory at Washington University, and one area of his research deals with prospective memory. McDaniel explains prospective memory as the task of remembering to execute or perform an intended action at some later appropriate point in the future. Basically, it's the mental checklist of what you have to do throughout your day. And if you think about it just even briefly, you realize that prospective memory is intimately intertwined in the daily fabric of our lives. You get up in the morning, you need to remember perhaps to take medication or to remember to take vitamins. You may need to remember to pack your lunch. And the prospective memory tasks range from relatively prosaic things like that to more important things like remembering medication that's critical for helping to treat some sort of chronic disease. It may involve really critical things like uh, if you have your young infant in the car and you need to drop them off at daycare and this is an unusual task for you, maybe the other caretaker does this ordinarily, your prospective memory task is to remember to head to the daycare center on the way to work instead of just heading to work. And as you may have heard in the news, almost every summer there are several cases of parents who tragically forget that prospective memory task and leave the infant in the car. So prospective memory demands are ubiquitous and they range from of minor importance to great importance in our lives. So now we know what prospective memory is. But how does a researcher like Mark McDaniel study it? How do you bring prospective memory into the laboratory? One of the big distinctions between the kind of memory that's been studied in the laboratory for over 100 years and prospective memory is that typically in the laboratory we'll give people some information to study. And then after some delay, will prompt our subjects with a request to remember. In your prospective memory tasks, there is no agent, there's no person asking you to remember. There's nobody saying, Claire, what do you have to do today before you go to work? Claire, what are your appointments today at work? Instead, you have to somehow initiate the act of remembering. I'm Claire, by the way. So, imagine in the laboratory, you're trying to get subjects to show you prospective memory, but you can't ask them to try to remember. And our initial challenge was trying to come up with a paradigm so that we could study prospective memory with as much objectivity and as much precision as researchers have been studying what I would call retrospective memory for hundreds of years. So we've done that now, and that paradigm's been very successful. Many people have adopted it. And a next step was then to try to understand two things, how prospective memory might change with age. And then another theme that we've been working on is to try to understand the basic cognitive or brain processes that support prospective memory. What we've tried to do is we've tried to approximate the real world situation in which you'll form an intention 
intention might be, I got to remember to take my lunch to work. And then after forming that intention, you get busily engaged in other activities. You cook breakfast, you may feed the dog, you get dressed, you shower. And as you're doing those other activities, the intention to remember to take your lunch has, has left awareness. And then at the moment you head out the door, you've got to remember that moment to grab your lunch. So we try to set up a similar situation in the laboratory where we instruct a subject on an intention they have to perform somewhat later in the experiment. But then after instructing them to do that, we give them a lot of other tasks to do to keep them busily engaged. We might have told them, five minutes from now, I want you to remember to uh, give me this pencil. So it could be whenever we start a word-finding task, you need to remember to write your name at the top of the sheet of paper. Or if you ever encounter a certain word in the experiment, you need to remember to press a special button. So the idea is that the subject is given tasks that nominally appear to be the major focus of the experiment, but actually we're more interested in whether they remember later on in the experiment to perform the activity. A bit earlier, Professor McDaniel mentioned that one thing his group studies is the cognitive processes that support perspective memory. Let's come back to that for a minute. When we form intentions and then remember or don't remember to carry out those intentions, what's going on in our brains? The received view was that what people would do would be to form an intention and then in some manner monitor as they were going about their ongoing activities, monitor for the appropriate moment to perform that intention. The idea would be that if you think to yourself, I gotta take my lunch to work, the marker might be, when I go out the door, I gotta grab my lunch. So the idea would be that your system is monitoring throughout your morning for that event of going out the door. Another view would be that throughout the morning, you would pretty regularly and periodically say, now, what is it I have to do before I go to work? And so you keep probing yourself, I gotta remember to take that lunch, I gotta remember to take that lunch. On that view, prospective memory is a fairly highly demanding kind of memory task, which requires uh, a lot of attentional resources. And that view led to the idea that as we age, our prospective memories are gonna be compromised. Because as we age, it's well known that our attentional resources decline a little bit well, in one of our first papers, we examined older adults in exactly the kind of paradigm I was talking to you about, and we didn't find any deficits in older adults relative to younger adults. And that prompted us to think a little harder about prospective memory and made us realize that maybe there's another kind of process that our brain exploits for prospective memory. That process might be one in which we reflexively or spontaneously retrieve information that's been associated with cues in the environment. So the general idea is that part of our memory system is one that delivers to awareness information that's related to things you're encountering in the environment. Sometimes it's informally called a mind pop. Claire, you may have experienced walking around and all of a sudden an event from your childhood pops into mind. No one's asking you to think about those, but somehow it's cued and it's delivered into awareness. So we speculated that maybe the cognitive system also relies on that for prospective memory, and it would make sense from an adaptive functional standpoint. We get so engaged and focused in ongoing activities 
that probably prospective memory would be bound to fail a lot if we had to rely on that system to also be monitoring for when we're supposed to perform that intended activity. And so our idea is that if you think to yourself, when I go out the front door, I've got to get my lunch, you're not monitoring for the occurrence of the front door. It's instead, when you open that door, that retrieves for you automatically, oh, I've got to get my lunch. It's a reflexive, non-attentional kind of process. And if that's the case, then older adults ought to be spared on that kind of prospective memory, and that's exactly what we find. In a prospective memory task where the intended action is linked to a very salient environmental cue, older adults are just fine at that. So if they have to remember to take their medication, they go into the bathroom, the medicine jars are there, they remember to take the medication. Often they fail at that task when they're traveling and the normal cues aren't present in the environment to stimulate this retrieval. We're finding with very mild Alzheimer's patients, we're doing work here at Washington University, that one of the things they have a hard time at it is this spontaneous retrieval. But we're also finding, I just reported at a conference, that if you work with them during their encoding to form a very strong linkage, if you have them use imagery and imagining themselves encountering the cue and performing the action, once they form a strong encoding, we're finding they recover in terms of prospective memory. You have to recognize that these Alzheimer's patients are going to have a harder time forming the association, but if you can assist them in doing that, then it looks like the prospective memory. It's not as deficient as it would otherwise be. So when it comes to those with mild Alzheimer's, there's hope when it comes to improving their prospective memory capabilities. Does the same apply to those of us who simply forget to bring our lunch to work on a pretty regular basis? I asked Professor McDaniel if there are any known reasons behind why some people's prospective memory seems to work better than others. People who are poor on prospective memory probably are not taking a moment to form a good association between an attention and some event that they're going to encounter through the day. So it's not that their spontaneous retrieval is poor, it's that the original encoding, the original intention formation is not especially effective. If I say to myself, i got to take out the trash today, that's probably not a very good intention. I'm probably likely to forget that because there's nothing that's going to cue me to do that. If I instead say, when I get home and open the garage door, I'm going to take out the trash, I'm much more likely to remember that prospective memory intention. People who are better at prospective memory probably engineer their environment better. So they probably are aware of the cues that are going to stimulate remembering, and they put those cues in places where they can see them. So here's a good example. <laughs> I... I uh, had to remember to bring home something for my daughter. And I knew I had a busy day. I thought I might forget it. I thought, well, I'm a prospective memory researcher. I know how to do this. So I wrote myself a sticky note that bring this home today. And, but I put the sticky note inside my briefcase. I never encountered it throughout the day. So of course I forgot to do that task. Better would have been to engineer an environment. So I go into office and I put that sticky note right on my desk beside where I'm doing my work. Then I would have encountered that cue and certainly remembered to do the task. Many thanks to Mark McDaniel for contributing to Hold That Thought. You can find us at thought.artsci.wustl.edu. That's thought.artsci.wustl.edu. Thanks for listening.